What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Tavares. It is just me on today's episode, but welcome back to another episode on the Godly Dating 101 podcast. You know the drill. Like, subscribe, share it with a friend, listen with your small group, do whatever you have to do. If you're on Apple, be sure to leave a five-star review. If you ever have suggestions on what you want uh, mentioned, please reach out to the Godly Dating 101 podcast Instagram page. Or shoot us an email at contact at gollydating101.com. But without further ado, because I'm not trying to do a long intro, hopefully I can make this short as can be. As you can see from today's title, Kill It Early. Um, You probably can see where I'm headed with this, but I want to talk about some things that we need to address very early on. And I don't want to say something because I'm really talking about lust. So if you didn't want to hear about that, I'm sorry. I know you're probably going to click off now, but just want to talk about this because, you know, there's some things in our lives that, you know, that I think we don't notice the seriousness of it until it's too late. Like we we may not think the relationship is a problem until there's the baby or until there's the divorce. Or we may not think we need to stop doing something until it's out in the open, until you have to go buy that plan B, until you have to do, you know, we tend to think, ah, we're just having fun. We're just chilling. Ah, it's no big deal until it's too late. You know, and I know, um, and I don't want to say I'm a perfect person to address this, but I feel as though I can be open with you all because I know that boundaries has been something that I have not always exercised properly. You know, and a lot of times I have not used common sense. You know, I believe that we can definitely get careless at time. you know, careless at times, you know, while being believers, you know, but the reason why I want to mention this is not because God isn't loving. It's not because God isn't forgiving. It's not to question God's love. But at the end of the day, we have to understand that even though God is merciful, after a while, he has to draw the line. We knew he drew a line with Noah, um, with the people, and he had to stop us like, okay, these people are going to continue in sin. There's a line he had to draw with Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, they were doing their sin, and it was the point where God was just like, no, I have to stop. And there were different people, even in the New Testament, whereas they thought they could rob God, Ananias and Sapphira, or First Corinthians 5, where people in the church are sleeping around and Paul had to draw the line and remove that person from the church. That's something I probably need to talk about in one of these episodes, <laughs> but but definitely. So I just want to mention, you know, some things we have to take care of early. You know, the Bible says it in Galatians 5, 24 and 25. I'm reading from the NLT. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And I know many of you listening can say, yeah, I probably fell short on that. You know, but the Bible mentions this right after it's mentioning the fruit that we should be you know, exhibiting as believers, you know, the love, joy, peace, um, you know, the nine fruit of the spirit, you know, mentioning how we should be living. And it said that when we have those sinful desires that we had, we should have crucified them. Many of you, you probably only been saved a couple of weeks, but many of you listening, you've probably been like me and been in church all your life, but still struggle with lust, still struggle with perversion, still struggle with ungodly relationships, still struggle with alcohol, drugs, whatever, still have some type of struggle, you know, deep down that people may not know about. But the Bible tells us that we need to crucify that. You know why? Because we cannot exhibit the fruit of the spirit 
while producing the fruit of the flesh. While we're producing the world's fruit, we're hindering our walk with God. You know, so the best thing for us to do is to crucify our desires because there's many things God can do. You know, God can die for your sins, but he cannot make you choose him. You know, he cannot make you decide to honor him. He cannot make us. That's not something that he decided to do. He decided to give us free will. So it's up to us to crucify our flesh. It's up to us to deny ourselves, you know, and to die daily and to pursue after his presence and pursue after him. You know, so I just want to mention a few things, you know, why it's important, you know, to let go of mainly lust, but let go of certain things early, you know, because, Many of these things, man, we're not starting at the origin, and that's the reason why we're failing. So number one, to keep in mind that some sins are still in your life because you won't kill it. You know, let, let's just be real. A lot of people say they have like a thorn in their flesh. I've called a lust a thorn in my flesh. But at the end of the day, no, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a thorn in my flesh. It was something I was enabling. And a lot of times we enable our flesh, we feed it, we entertain it until it bites us, you know? So it's so easy for us to think, oh, I got this under control until you realize you actually don't. You, no one can have have their, their little sin under control. That's not how sin works, you know? That, you know? So when it comes to these sins, we can't just push them out the way because we'll ignore it with time and, you know, we'll think that we're fine. You know, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. So, you know, we think, ah, oh, it's no big deal. But ignoring your weakness is not the same as overcoming it. So you can pretend, oh, okay, I didn't, I didn't fornicate today. You know, me and my boyfriend, me and my girlfriend, we ain't, we ain't sleep around today. But does that mean I'm not struggling with lust? You know, that's why I want us to understand that we have to address lust, not just the actions of it. A lot of times we address the symptoms. We don't address the actual disease. We don't address the actual root of what's going on, you know, but God wants us to rely on him for strength daily. You know, we cannot... We cannot think because I was anointed yesterday, I'm just anointed forever and I can never make a mistake. That's not how that works, you know, because the moment we think we're standing tall is the moment we fall. You know, you guys should definitely read 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 because it's showing us that the moment you think you're just standing strong and you have it all figured out, that's the moment you, you, you know, you got comfortable and you ended up falling into sin. You know, so we cannot afford to, you know, simply push sin to the side because it's going to come right back. And when we push something to the side because we're not using it, what happens when we actually want it? And then it was right there. So say I'm on a diet and my trainer's like, hey, Tavares, don't eat, let's just say pizza. Instead of me dumping the pizza in my house or instead of me simply not ordering pizza, I'm going to order it and then be like, oh, I shouldn't have, I, sh- I shouldn't have bought that. So I'm going to just leave it right here on the kitchen counter. Then you walk past it every time you get hungry, you see it, you smell it. Instead of just throwing it away, instead of getting rid of it, ultimately, you left it in the vicinity. You know, so now that temptation is still there because you have not destroyed it. You have not gotten rid of it. And I think that's how many of us, we play with sin. We don't get rid of it. We just push it to the side. Try to pretend it's not there. But when you push something to the side, it's going to be there in your moment of weakness. Because there's going to come a point where it's convenient to choose sin. It's going to come a point when, man, you know, let's be real. It feels good. You like how something feels. You like how the pleasure you get out of it. The Bible mentioned the pleasures of sin. You know, a lot of people try to make it seem like sin is always something that's evil. No, no, no. Sin, well, something that's obviously it's evil, but feels evil. No, sin is pleasurable. And that's the reason why it's destructive, because it makes you think it's your friend. 
you know, but the problem with secret sin in our life is that it's never truly secret. God always sees, you know, what we're doing. God always sees what we're sending. He always sees what we're entertaining. He always sees what we're thinking. He always sees the way we talk about people, the way we treat people. He always sees the things that we're doing, you know, and then, you know, to be honest, and it's not necessarily, you know, to scare you, but he will always expose it if we don't, you know, if we don't repent because, you know, the Bible mentions that our sins will find us out in numbers. And there's a lot of times when we, we think, you know, God presenting, you know, God correcting us or confronting our sin means somebody in the church is going to call us out by name. The prophet is going to, no, 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 no. That's not necessarily how things work. Sometimes, you know, you were having sex forever and now your belly's going to start getting big because there's a baby. You know what I mean? So God will always allow the sin to publicly expose itself because secret sins become public problems when we don't address them. That's why it's important for us to address our weakness, because I don't believe God is overlooking our weakness because he doesn't mind it. He's overlooking. He's not overlooking it, but he's giving us a chance to repent because he wants to have a relationship with us. It's not because he wants to condemn you to hell. No, he wants you to turn back to him. You know, when we see Judas, think about the disciple Judas. And I want you guys to read Luke chapter 22, you know, for context later, whether you pause the episode or not. You know, but read about Judas and we see that, you know, the devil entered into Judas and he got him to speak with the chief priests and officers and all those people so that he could betray Jesus. And what we see is that one, the devil entered into him and he led him to do certain things. So he was following Jesus very closely and the devil still managed to influence him out of the church because uh, I, I need us to understand that because a lot of us think the devil can't influence us. I'm a child of God. I love Jesus. You can go to church and still be influenced by the devil to do the wrong thing, you know. So that's why we have to be careful of the motives and the things that's driving us. But back to Judas, you know, they agreed and they're like, okay, let's offer this man some money. Let's, you know, he's going to hand Jesus over to us, you know. But at the end of the day, it was because of his love for money that he decided to give away the best thing that ever happened to his life. You know, Judas had... It, does, it doesn't matter what he would have needed in life. If you have God in your life, bro, you have everything, you know, and it's the fact that Judas, because of his money problem, you know, Judas had a problem long before he betrayed Jesus. And that's what we need to understand. Judas didn't simply get bored and say, man, I'm so tired of being around Jesus. I'm so sick of seeing so many miracles. I'm so sick of this guy raising the dead and healing the sick. And I'm so sick of him being kind. That's not what was going on. You know, I'm sure he was in awe of certain things that Jesus did. I'm sure he was kind of shocked, like, wow, like we really found a Messiah. But the problem is with Judas is what the problem with many of us um, have today. He had a problem that he never crucified. And if you have a sin in your life or habit in your life that you need to crucify and you don't, it's going to find a way to cause you to neglect God, to reject him, to turn your back on him, to get something to please your flesh. You know, and that's why we have to be careful, you know, because if we read John chapter 12, verses three through six in the NLT, it says, then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, 
he often stole some for himself. I need us to understand that this man is witnessing a woman throw away a year's worth of money on Jesus. And I'm not saying throw away, you know, because we see that it was beneficial. Jesus was happy that she did that. But he's like, no, no, no. What are you doing? Like, we could have we could have sold all that perfume you're wasting, giving it to the poor. You know, that's thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, whatever it is that lady's wasting, you know, and they're looking at it like, you know, people, maybe if we were onlookers, we would have thought, man, Judas is such a wise man. She didn't have to do that. She could have worshiped God without doing the most. She didn't have to give all the prostitution money and, you know, do all that. We could have helped the poor. But in reality, he had an issue. And the Bible mentioned that he was stealing money from the church. He was stealing money from the ministry that God was doing, from what people were investing into Jesus and the disciples. He was stealing from it. So it wasn't the moment that he you know, sold Jesus, you know, for the 30 pieces of silver, you know, to get Jesus crucified. That wasn't the, the, where the issue started. The issue started when his love for money, he never crucified because he was stealing all along. So I need us to look, you know, in, in at ourselves, what sin are we holding on to that's causing us to betray Jesus? What is God asking for us to repent from? You know, cause we think it's something simple now, but later on, is going to cause us to give up Jesus in order to satisfy the urge. Is it porn? You know, no one realizes but you, you know, no one sees your phone or your computer browser. No one sees it. Is it a toxic or a sinful relationship? You know, you think you can handle it now until you're married and miserable, until you're married and the abuse, you know, never stopped, until you get to a certain place, whatever it is that God is telling you to let go of, kill this relationship, kill this mindset, kill this mentality, because you're asking God to make you a millionaire and you are getting a hundred dollars in your pocket and you blow the entire thing in a day. God is trying to end those habits because how is gonna how is God gonna bless you financially if he knows you can't steward it properly? You see, we want God to bless us. We want God to, to open doors. But God is like, there's some things in your life you have to kill before I can. How can I elevate you, Judas, if you're waiting on an opportunity to get more money? You're not waiting on an opportunity to serve. You're waiting on an opportunity to be served. How can God elevate us with that mindset? So I know I mentioned, you know, obviously it's a dating page. So it's easy for me to, you know, target certain things that I know we struggle with. But this is a page to help you grow spiritually. I need us to understand that. Many of us, God has great plans for us, but we have problems in our life that we're trying to ignore, but God needs us to get rid of those early. Secondly, it's possible that you can please God, but your but your decisions can stop you from walking in complete dominion. You know, and I know some people, you know, your churches may not talk too much about dominion, you know, so you may not understand where I'm going with that, but I want us to understand that if something is leading to sin, you have to cut it off completely. You know, not not partially, not well, I'm able to pastor and watch porn, so it's okay. I'm okay. I'm I'm able to date this woman and have sex, but I'm still able to sing on a praise team, so it's okay. Oh, I'm able to no 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 no. You may do some great things in your life and it may bring glory to God's name. But there are some certain things in our lives that we have to cut off in order to walk in the complete dominion that God has for us and the complete blessings that God has for us in order to walk in his will, in order to walk in in the steps that please him. We have to be willing to address certain things that need to be removed. Uh, let's look at a man by the name of Uzziah. 
In 2 Kings chapter 15, 3 through 5 in NLT, it says this, He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. But he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burnt incense there. The Lord struck the king with leprosy, which lasted until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house. The king's son, Jotham, was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. So I want us to understand something that's going on. The Bible made it clear he did what was pleasing in God's sight. You know, it's not that the Bible said, okay, well, he was lukewarm. Nope, the Bible didn't say that. The Bible didn't say he was a backslider. Nope, the Bible didn't say that. No, the Bible made it clear. He did what was right in God's sight. He was aiming to please God, but there was more that he should have done, and he left it. Those pagan... um pagan shrines, those those idols and those altars for the false gods, he still left them up. And what happened? It caused people to continue offering sacrifices to false gods. So I want us to understand from that is that partial obedience is never enough. We can't serve God when it's convenient and then neglect him when we disagree. We can't say, oh, this, oh, I could live with this verse. And then the next one say, ah, that was only written for those people at those times. And that's what a lot of church people do. We think because we're pleasing God with a lot of things in our lives that we can just do whatever we want in certain areas. No, but God wants complete control over us because that's the only way we can walk in complete dominion. You know, so I want us to see that the Bible it clearly mentioned because I don't want you to think you're being judged. It clearly mentioned his ways was pleasing God, but because he left some things alone that God didn't have a, that God did have a problem with that led to destruction. You know, and I believe this is an example of many of us, you know, because we can be so greatly used by God, but our actions sometimes still aren't pleasing to him. Meaning, yeah, you preached and many people got saved and you posted a video on social media to encourage your church um, friends and your, your worldly friends. You want to show them, you know, what God is doing through. Yeah, you're able to do some great things. But then there are some things in your life that God is looking like, but I wanted you to remove that. I wanted you to remove that relationship. I wanted you to remove that mindset. I wanted you to remove that thing that was causing you to sin over and over. God still sees those things. And I know that church may not see it and spouses may not see it and friends may not see it. But God is well aware of some some altars that you're leaving up. You know, so our ministries can help others. But that doesn't mean God isn't expecting us to repent from whatever it is that we're playing with. You know, and that's something... I try to remind myself, you know, about with this ministry, because I've had more problems with less since creating this page um, in 2012. I think before 2012, I'm not saying I was spotless, but it's like, man, because I feel as though because I'm trying to help people get out of less. Now I have to battle those demons with you guys, I have to pray for the spiritual warfare with you guys and be there and encourage and, and answer all the questions. God, you guys, please understand there's only two of us. We cannot answer everybody's message. <laughs> you know, I just had to do a little disclaimer. Um, that's why we put out the, if you have questions, please feel free um, to ask it briefly in our social media. But if you cannot, schedule a counseling session. You know what I mean? But please understand that it's possible for me to be so effective with my ministry and then yet still not be that close to God because it's certain things in my life that I'm not tearing down. You know, so I have to make sure, not just you all, but I have to make sure that I'm staying close to God so I don't allow emotions or urges to destroy my purpose or my marriage or my calling because that's all it takes, man. Just takes a moment. 
you know, a moment, you know, of just, uh, I'll just leave up a few things that are sinful to just lead us down a the wrong path. You know, Uzziah shows us clearly that we can be a blessing to someone else, but God still have an issue with some of the altars that we didn't throw down in our lives. Whether that altar is a relationship, whether that altar is TV or entertainment, whether that altar is the things, you know, that music, whatever it is, the things of this world, God wants us to tear down certain things in our lives because that is the only way for us to walk in complete dominion. Another, another thing, third thing, we can't keep turning a blind eye. You know, and I think a lot of times in church, we, man, that you, do you see how effective this brother is? Listen, man, every time he preaches, man, people be at the altar crying, boo-hoo crying. But then you know the man is sleeping with everybody in the church. Or, you, man, do you see how effective this sister is? She does all this for Sunday school, but you know she has the nastiest attitude in the entire church. And if you even sit in her seat, she's going to curse you out. We Listen, we cannot turn a blind eye to the issues that we have in church, man, because when we turn a blind eye to it, you're enabling it. You know, someone that I want us to take a look at in scripture is Eli. Eli was a priest that had a couple sons who were like flat out savages, um, like is no other word to describe these these guys. But in first Samuel two, verse 12, it literally says that they didn't know the Lord. And some translations said that, you know, they had no respect for the Lord, which is crazy to me, because if they're children of a priest, that should mean that, you know, they're in line to do the same duties, that they're priestly children. You know, and anyone can't just volunteer to be a priest. That's not how things are ran. So that means they were supposed to be doing priestly duties. And yet they did not have a walk with God. They didn't have a healthy fear for God. You know, and that shows us that not everyone who is in church is living for God. Not everyone with a title is living for God. Not anyone with a position, with a lot of followers on social media. Not everyone has a reverence for God. They may have a platform. They may have a number one best-selling book. That does not mean they have a relationship with God. That just means they have a way with words. And we have to take that into consideration because we don't want to be led astray by wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, but those two boys... They didn't even allow people to make sacrifices to God. They would come in and interrupt and stop. You know, they were just terrorizing the church. They were a big problem. You know, in First Samuel 2 and 22, you know, it tells us that despite Eli being old, he knew what his sons were doing. He knew they were seducing the women in the church, sleeping with the women in the church. He knew, you know, he knew that, that they were having, they were causing problems with the sacrifices you know, and they weren't listening when he finally decided to say something. But that's what happens when you enable people or we ourselves, we get active in ministry while still being comfortable in our sin. No one can correct me, man. You know, we stop reverencing God. No one can tell me what to do. Why? Because I'm already effective. You can't tell me that I need to repent. Repent from what? God God loves me. Grace, his grace is sufficient. That is the lie of the enemy, y'all. <laughs> You know, so please understand that just because the leadership doesn't address it doesn't mean that God won't handle it. And I want I rather repent before my leadership says something and before my God says something, you know, because I don't think that any of us want to deal with the wrath of God. You know, and I know churches there, you know, they serve fairy tale Jesus and we can't say certain things because it's going to scare visitors. But I want to tell you what scripture says about, yes, this loving God, Hebrews 10, 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Because we have to understand that, no, God isn't mean. 
you know, it's not because I want to scare you into obedience, you know, because that, that'll never be lasting. But because God's mercy is not giving us access to freely sin, you know, he's long suffering with us, you know, even though we sin daily, you know, just because we're we're sinning and we're not getting struck down doesn't mean God is pleased with us. No, he's patient because he wants us to be saved despite our recklessness, despite our disobedience, despite the rebellion. God wants to save us. He wants to change us. Psalms 19, verse 12 through 13 says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You know, we don't really realize how sinful our hearts really are. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that we don't realize how how evil we are without the Holy Spirit guiding us, man. You know, we have secret sins that people know nothing about. You know, God sees those things in our lives, you know, that are hidden from the public. And we see here in this psalm that David is asking God to pre to keep him away from those presumptuous sins. You know, presumptuous, if you don't know what that means, he's saying, like, keep me away from deliberately sinning. You know what sins I'm talking about. <laughs> the ones you enjoy doing. The one where we ask God to free us from it. But we go right back to it when that person texts us at the church. We go right back to that drink, right back to that club, right back to the weed, right back to you know the thing that you're asking God to deliver you from. And we go right back to it. And that's the reason why God is saying, um, why David is saying, keep me away from those deliberate sins. Don't let them have dominion over me. And that's what this point of this episode is to gain back your dominion as a follower of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ. You're not just following him to church services. You know what I mean? Christianity is more than your church service. It's bringing God's kingdom down on earth as it is in heaven, being God's hand and feet in this earth so people can be delivered. People can see true joy. People can see true peace, you know, and sometimes when people can't see that type of peace, you know, I think that's a. An indictment against us as believers because we should be the light of the world. But I don't have a great transition. I just want to go straight in and talk about better help. <laughs> you know, so better help for those of you guys who are listening to this episode and you're struggling with your mental health, you're struggling with your emotional health. You may have gone through a traumatic experience or gone through some things in your childhood or in your, even in your church, you know, experience any type of hurt that you would like, um, you know, to speak with someone about. You know, BetterHelp is a resource, you know, that'll assist you with that because they'll assess your needs. They'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be able to connect in a safe and online private environment. The counselor can be contacted at any times, whether that's being phone or video call. Um, you know, so if you're facing depression, stress or anxiety, you know, some type of trauma, they are there to assist you. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp. Excuse me. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. If you're feeling burdened down, I want you to enjoy a more blessed and stress-free life. As one of our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com slash Godly. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Godly. So I just want to recommend a couple of things for those, you know, that may have been like me on a constant cycle of repeating the same sin. Number one, just live for God. 
And I know that's like, what? Is that a recommendation? Yes, it is a recommendation because in reality, we're not living for God. You know, we're living for ourselves. We're living to gratify our urges. We're living for the things, our dreams, our aspirations, our goals. No, live for God now, especially for those of you listening that are young. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against your soul, which means stay away from those tempting things that are trying to kill you. Run away from things that God, you know, is telling you to avoid. And as you're running away from it, pursue after God. Don't just run like you, you lost your mind. No, but pursue after God. Block the number. Run away from the temptation. Just live for God now. You know, don't wait until something crazy in your life happens till you find the altar. Don't wait till someone dies for you to realize, man, God, I need to get my life in order. No, 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 no. Don't wait till the sickness. Don't wait till you lose the job. Just live for God now. You know, and really, we just need to stop fighting things that God doesn't even, you know, why are you fighting things that God never wanted you battling? You should have never known what it was to have your eyes open to a certain thing, Eve. Adam, you should have never ate from that tree because if you didn't eat from that tree, you wouldn't realize what I was actually trying to protect you from. But that's what God is trying to show us, that certain things we shouldn't even have to be facing, you know. But if you don't deal with it now, you will have to deal with it later, you know. And your children will have to deal with those things we choose to entertain in our hearts. People think generational curses is just cute little new age sayings. No, that's something that literally follows you. You invite certain spirits into your life. Your children will pick up on those same habits, those same problems, you know. So if it's causing you to turn away from Jesus, it's not worth you keeping in your life. No man is worth your soul. Live for God. No woman is worth your soul. Just live for God from now, bro. No sex or whatever is tempting you, you know, any type of temptation that's, you know, you're entertaining. None of that is worth you compromising on your walk with God. The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, many think submitting to God brings some type of slavery, but it actually brings us true freedom and true joy, you know, because the Bible tells us that in the presence of uh, uh, in, in God's presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's Psalm 16 and 11. You know, you'll never find lasting happiness or true peace outside of the will of God. That relationship that God told you to avoid, you're not blessed because you're married. All you did was commit to confusion. You're not blessed because you got a promotion on your job if God told you to quit it. You're not blessed because you got a degree if God told you to leave that school. Listen, we can place our labels on these things, but if God tells us to do something, we have to listen to him. Verse 8, James 4 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God wants to be close to us. He literally is showing us that if I take a step towards him, he'll take a step towards me. So please, that's my first recommendation. Just live for God. Do whatever you have to do in order to grow spiritually. Secondly, stop holding on to whatever is harming you. You know, the Bible says in 1 Kings 11 and 4, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wife's turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as it was with David his father. So we see in regards to Solomon that it wasn't a sudden fall from grace because he was told not to marry this woman. 
You know, the Bible mentioned that Solomon had his heart turned away to other gods when he got old. So he knew better. Don't marry them. He knew he shouldn't. He still married them. Married with them now for years. He knows he should not be with those women. He's still with them. And now before he dies, the Bible is making it clear that these women turned his heart away. Family, I need you to understand, you cannot hold on to what's harming you because you think it's going to bring a great change in the future. But in reality, it could bring destruction your way. So you may be friends with them, but what are they doing to your spirit? And uh, I know you may think, you know, the people, whatever, somebody's posts, uh, the, 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 the sketchy pictures are harmless. But is it inviting lust in your heart? You know, it may not be porn, but it can still be perversion. If it's causing you to ignore the voice of God, then it has to go. If the thing is causing you, if the thing that, you know, you're entertaining is against what God desires for you to look at, then you shouldn't be entertained by it. I had to go on a, you know, another spree of unfollowing and muting accounts recently. And it wasn't because, oh, I can't control my urges, you know, but the problem is I cannot bind the things that I'm choosing to entertain. I cannot say, God, deliver me from this sin. God, deliver me from this sin. Um, God, deliver me from this sin. Let's say it's stealing. And then as soon as I, I pray and, you know, I, I wake up, you know, I said I wake up, <laughs> but I get up from my prayer and then I go and I steal something. Yes, God is able to deliver. He's able to give you new desires, but you have to choose to turn away from certain things. You know, if if I know less is my problem. I'm not going to pray against the spirit of lust and then watch pornography, you know? So we have to choose to stop going to things that are aiming to destroy us. You know, obviously I'm mentioning lust a lot, you know, but this could be something, you know, in regards to anything God is telling you to let go of. Because how can you overcome anxiety, you know, and you keep choosing to worry instead of worship? How are you going to overcome your fear if you're never taking steps of faith and trusting that he's with you? How can we speak words of life and encouragement and help people and build people up if we keep relationships with people in a church that are gossiping and slandering and bashing people? It's not possible. You know, but many times we wait until the very last minute to address the actual problems. But no, you have to let go of what's harming you now. Because when you're married, that shouldn't be the first time you deal with your lusts. You know, when you're a business owner, that shouldn't be the first time you're addressing your poor spending habits. That's not, that can't be. You know, when you become a pastor, that isn't the first time you should start seeking God daily and fasting. No, you should be doing that now. You know, so we have to understand there are certain things that have to be cut off now in order for us to walk in our future. Because God can have great plans for you, but the problem is it's a promise. He's promising you something. That doesn't mean that we have nothing to do with it. We have to walk towards that goal. And lastly, another tip that I'll tell you, don't get comfortable spiritually. You know, there's always room for you to grow. You know, something that I got from my boy Marcus Rogers. If you don't like him, fine. Do not give a bad rating on this. But it's something great that he always says. But say casual Christians will become um, casualties. You know, that's what I want us to understand. That the moment you get casual with your spiritual life, you'll become a casualty. Because we're already targets. The enemy wants to destroy every child of God. But the moment we stop praying, we stop reading, we stop fasting. We stop fellowshipping with our brothers. We stop accountability. We stop serving. We stop giving. That's the moment your life is going to get destroyed because you've already ostracized yourself from what God wanted you to do. You know, so this is still spiritual warfare that we we're facing daily. 
I don't care how cute you think Christianity is. You're in a spiritual warfare. The moment you signed up, you are in the, you are in the military, fam. You are in God's army. You know, I'm a soldier in the... No, I'm not going to sing all that. But you get the point now. You are... <laughs> yeah, yes, we have the victory in Jesus, but we still will walk in defeat if we walk in the flesh. I'm going to say that again. You may have victory in Jesus. God may have given you victory, but you are going to continue in a life of defeat if you walk according to your flesh. You know, so no one... You know, a spiritual without an intentional mindset to live for God. That's not something we just mistakenly do. We can be casual and get lukewarm. We can be casual and leave the church. We can be casual and never pray again. But you can't be casual and pray for a long period of time. You can't just casually fast, you know, unless you've been doing it every day. You know, but we have to choose to deny our flesh. We have to choose to say no when those doors to compromise open again. We have to choose to click off that page or to end that relationship or to turn off that, whatever it is. You know, the Bible mentions in Second um, Chronicles 26, I'm read verse 4 and 5 and verse 15 and 16. It says, and he did that which was he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So we see he's pleasing God. We see that he's seeking God. We see that he has, you know, he has understanding, you know, um, and as long as he's seeking God, he's prospering. Now, let's jump to verse 15, 16. It says this. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So we see that he was pleasing God. We saw that he was seeking God. We saw that as long as he was seeking God, God was making him prosper. And now we see that life was going great. He started getting famous. He's smart, hardworking. Everything is going right in his brother's life. But the moment he got too big, too big, too anointed, too too famous, too popular, too IG popping. His his social media was booming. His church was a mega church now. Everything was going well. Their business is flourishing. They finally got the spouse until everything was going great in their life and their heart got lifted up to their destruction. And that's what I want us to avoid because it's possible to become so anointed and to be so mightily used by God that we get a little prideful. We no longer pray. Uh, we know how to pray. We know how to move a crowd. We no longer fast. What's the point of fasting? I'm hungry, you know? What well, We no longer study the Word of God. We think we can preach without it. You know, we no longer treat people a certain way. For what? You know, they do they know who I am? But the moment you stop seeking God is the moment you stop walking in victory. Because you can't grow based off yesterday's prayer. You can't. You can't study yesterday and, man, you had a great study session. And then when it's time to study the word of God today, you're looking like, man, I studied yesterday. No, friend. We need Jesus daily. You know, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Because it's so easy for me to study yesterday, get a great word from God. So I'll just pass, you know, a couple days. I'll, I'll give God a little quick little prayer because he woke me up, blessed his food. 
But God is looking like, don't get too blessed or don't get too many blessings in your life that now you think you've arrived. That's what we have to stop. Stop getting to that point, church, where we think we've arrived. You know, Jesus doesn't want us living off the prayers of the pastor, the prayers of our pastors or the prayers of our parents. No, he wants you to survive off the prayers you're praying to him today because he has to give you strength daily. You know, so we have to understand we need a fresh word from God every day of our lives. You know, so there's some habits in our lives that we have to get rid of. I want to leave you guys with this verse. Galatians 5.25 says it like this. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And I know that sounds like nothing to you, but I want us to understand that it's so easy for us to get so casual just, you know, taking our walk with God for granted. But no, the goal is to walk in the spirit. The goal is to please God. The goal is that, man, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart please God. Let it be acceptable in your sight. That is what our goal should be as believers. But I know I've been talking y'all air off and I've been doing too much. But we appreciate y'all. Let me say this before I end this episode. For all you guys, um, and I'm not saying this to be a quick little plug, but for all you guys that did um, hook us up on the baby registry, we're extremely thankful. You guys, that that truly means the world to us. I'm pretty sure baby girl is going to love you guys when she's here. (laughs) You know, but we appreciate you guys for showing all the love. If you are new to this podcast and you enjoyed this episode, you were challenged, you were convicted, maybe, you know, you just felt something in here, you know, probably wasn't for you, but you shared with someone else because you felt like it challenged them. I'm thankful for you, but I'm asking for you to consider subscribing. If you haven't shared, I'm asking you to do that now. If you are on Apple, please go ahead and leave five stars. Send us some emails. Let us know um, any suggestions that you have. We have a lot of great things in store. We're asking for prayer because there's a lot on our plate and a lot that we know God is calling us to do. Um, But yeah, man, we appreciate you guys. For all the people that randomly give donations to support the ministry, we thank you. For the people that join the Patreon where we do Bible study and have all kinds of special things for them, we are thankful. Um, Yeah, man, for all the love and support, man, we're grateful for you guys. We'll see you soon. Peace.